But the idea of I shouldn't have to pay somebody to listen to me is wrong. It's um, what I notice are the people who are rich are glad to have many advisors. It's sort of the need, not a luxury. And so we need it not less as not rich people. Our guest today is in a league of his own. He has authored books alongside Dr. Deepak Chopra and Ken Blanchard. He was awarded the Commander's Award for Civilian Service by the US Army in 2014. And he has served across a wide array of roles, ranging from disaster mental health counseling to executive and leadership team coaching. For over 40 years, Bob Rosen has been in service of the community. And what stands out is how Bob's experience, training, compassion and respect creates a safe space for individuals and teams to build connection and integrity. I can vouch for it from my own personal experience because Bob Rosen is a therapist I didn't realize I needed. You're listening to Unleashing Excellence with your hosts Shruti Gehanbar and Karan Raidurg. As your high performance and leadership coaches, we here to help you look beyond the problem through the experience of people who show extraordinary awareness in ordinary everyday situations. Bob, I can't tell you how happy I am to have you in our group and on our podcast. Thanks, Rudy. I'm glad to be here. What's rare for me is to find a group that belonging matters. The first group I would say I really wanted to belong to was my high school band. It's like, this is 124 people that I could serve. I wasn't a very good musician, but that didn't seem to, I mean, the great musicians in the band had their own like fame or respect, but I was the manager. And as the manager, I made sure that their stuff was there when they needed it, especially when we would travel. So that was a really the, first place that I felt at home. It's like, I belong here. I, I have a lot of power here, but it's the power to make things happen for them. And that's a major thread in my, in my life, that having influence and being able to use it to help someone on the, on the edges of not helpful, help someone feel important. But on the, on the right, on what I consider the excellent, the path of excellence, it's, they depend, it isn't a surgeon, but it's like a surgeon who depends on putting her hand out and the right person puts the right instrument in that hand so she can continue to help get rid of something bad or make something work that's I love that it's amazing for someone to know their strength so early on in life and to be able to actually hone it and use it so well Um, is it something you were very clear about always and when you work with like you have worked with people all through your life whether in the military or in the corporate world A lot of times people do not know their real strengths or they don't use their strengths or sometimes even think of them as a weakness in some way. How would you uh, be able to 
um, in this moment, talk to our audience and tell them about how they can identify their strength, how they can identify what that superpower could be for them. That's, that's such a beautiful question. And so the most recent best way I would suggest is that they would go to, uh, that they would take an assessment called the Big Five Personality Assessment. Taking the Big Five Assessment and looking at the five, and then there are five subscales that talk about it. And in there, where you're high, where your score is high, your strength lies. So that's one way to do it. That's using psychometrics, doing doing a well statistically validated instrument. Another way to do it is to look at who you admire. Because we admire the people who have a a virtue of character or a skill, an ability or a skill. So an ability is a a natural talent that makes things easier to do. And a skill is something we practice a lot. We're talking about, I want the skill of being able to speak Hindi. So we start, just like kids start, we start mimicking somebody on a, who's making the sound. So we could build a skill with lots of hard work. But who we admire is somebody we've given value to because of something. And that's what we want more of because it's already a part of us. And the permission and the vehicle to express it is what we need. So I love that. Well, I must be more like that than I knew. How could I start doing it? Very interesting play of words when you say we want a permission to do more of that. Could you talk me, you know, talk us through that a bit? What do you mean by that? There are things that are true that I wish weren't. One of them is our brains might exist only for the reason of keeping us alive and creating progeny, creating offspring. I hope that's not true, but looks like it might be. So parents who want their children are devoted, are committed to keeping their children safe. And most parents think keeping their children safe means pushing them in these directions and putting walls up, barriers to so that they won't go in those directions that they consider dangerous or wrong or bad or something like that. Well, if you have a highly conscientious parent, that person is going to care a lot about the rules. And if your personality as the child doesn't have much conscientiousness built in, and it's called um, personality temperament. So if a child's temperament, as they're building their personality, does not have conscientiousness in it, it has it has uh, uh, creativity, say. Well, then there's this battle that says, I want to try this. No. So the child's open to lots of new experiences and the parent's interested in keeping the child safe, which means you don't try a lot of new experiences. You follow the rules. I want you to equip to be a good member of this society. This is not about become who you are. Well, the child begins to take in 
that who they are is wrong. And wrong is bad. It's like good and bad. Good boy, bad boy. Not, I think my generation might have been the first to learn to say good job, not good boy. Now, as far as I know, good job sounds an awful lot like good boy to me. But later on, it makes a difference. What you're doing is different than who you are. I love who you are. That doesn't change, except when I'm really, really mad at you. So we develop a position that says, I'm good if I do this, and I'm bad if I do that. And those might not have to do with uh, running out into the street in front of a bus. It might have to do with, I want to play with dolls for an, 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 a boy. A boy shouldn't play with dolls. Well, you know the rules. You have to be strong and powerful. So the permission has to come eventually from some place. So the three fundamentals for me has always been permission, protection, and potency. How do we, how do we have the permission? Do we need it from somebody outside of us? Is it safe enough to experiment, to either put our toe in the water or jump in? Or, and that's been my weak link. And I found out after taking the big five that my openness to new experiences is very low. And I know darn well that my worldview is started with this is a very scary world. And be careful, especially of anybody who has power. And then potency comes with confidence. Okay, the more things I give myself permission, whether I got it from somebody else or not, to try something, the more I can build in the protection I need. Now I think of it as scaffolding. How do I have a system of scaffolding with fences or um, railings so that I won't die? And then as I do those, potency increases and I know that I'm gonna start out crummy. We talk about using other words, a bad first draft. Well, I know, I know in the beginning, I'm gonna have real conscious incompetence. I know I won't be good at it, but if I keep going, I'll get better. I mean, so it's like now instead of feeling depressed because I'm missing at least two of the legs of my three-legged which isn't a very good position to be in. Now I know I can grow those legs I have and will. And what I'm hearing, um, you know, when somebody hears this, it starts with a lot of awareness, becoming aware first, um, whether that comes from you or comes from, um, you know, closing a sort of a feedback loop uh, from a trusted person and then taking action whether it is through, like you said, to take the personality test or figure out uh, how you want to go about analyzing and then taking action to make sure you you either grow, extend, or um, you know, recreate something that is it would, would help you complete the picture. Yeah, it's called practicing, yeah. Practicing, yes, absolutely. When people start out on this curve, um, they almost always need help. They almost always need some sort of support. And um, when you think about your experience with, uh, especially with corporates, uh, people, executives from the corporate world, can you think about, uh, can you share with us a story or an, um, 
example where somebody really had to go through this and uh, they fumbled with this they did a great job of it or not and the this is learning something learning something and getting to a stage of you know bridging that and i'll tell you what i'm coming from if if it not to interrupt your thought is that even from personal experience i felt that there are times that um, we are blindsided um, a lot of times we are blindsided to our own flaws and it's so difficult for somebody to see what they need to you know what they're missing so how do you get somebody who's really competent and able to be able to also become aware and do what is important for them so many places to latch on there so going back to your earlier question about coaching people towards their strengths it's very powerful to be able to confidently say i see this in you and i don't know why i'm really good at that it it isn't a skill and it must be some ability but the most beautiful act of service i get to do is to know somebody well enough to be able to say this thing that you want that you won't let yourself want is already a seed that's sprouting inside of you i see it you are doing it to me and it gives that kind of permission and protection for the person to say huh who huh so just by saying helping somebody incorporate with this we've already said a lot of things a person who is on a fast track in a corporation somebody who is being told you have the capabilities of going far fast keep at it we know that that person is a diligent hard working rule follower it's like isn't very far out of the mold of what's expected which is wonderful and terrible so being fitting the mold is dangerous it's wonderful because your environment reflects you're special you're terrific but if it isn't who you are if if you're playing a role it's it's anywhere from exhausting to toxic it's as i run out of energy i start looking at the clock or i'm going to give up sleep again tonight and i know tomorrow i'm going to be a bear everybody stay away from me whatever but or it's so many people in corporate say okay i'm putting on my my superhero costume and going to work it isn't me but i'm going on the stage here's my role mm-hmm. i'm the good cop or i'm the bad cop or i'm the get things done person but the, that's the role i play so one of the most beautiful things about working with somebody in corporate is the truth is rarely spoken the script i know what the right answer is it's just like taking public school and making it in another environment here's how i'm supposed to act i'm supposed to walk on the right side of the hallway i'm supposed to use this bathroom i'm supposed to eat in these places like that and we're not really not many of us or not as many people who are in corporate life 
fit that personality profile. So working with somebody in corporate is either to help them have the permission to start again in something that is really exciting for them or how to cope better not being themselves in an environment that they can do some good and get some basic needs met because what they really care about is providing a house or a, a car or college tuition or groceries for their family. So any place where the truth is stifled, there's the greatest opportunity for conversation when you earn the trust of the person you're talking to. I've never told anybody this. I could retire if I just got a dollar for any time, for every time someone said that to me. They're saying, it's safe enough in this space to tell you my truth. And it's the highest compliment, highest compliment, which is interesting to me because when I was seven, my dad could do anything with his hands, like build, fix things, anything. For my mother's birthday, he was building her a wooden cabinet to put spices in. And I was in his shop and he was showing me. And for whatever reason, I was excited about it. And I ran and I said, mom, dad's building you a spice cabinet for your birthday. Oh, he was so mad. And, and he said, you can't keep a secret. I can't remember what came left, but I won't ever forget that you can't keep a secret. And I laugh anytime someone says, I've never said this to anyone before. It's because, Dad, for 50 years, I have kept people's secrets. Thanks for teaching me that's the right thing to do. So permission, potency, and protection are really true in any prison system and corporate can very much be a prison system. Yeah, that's uh, so ironic and heartbreaking. <laughs> and I, I, I think our listeners can kind of uh, get what you're trying to say. I have been there and uh, probably the reason why there is so much hunger to branch out and do something on your own. You know, a lot of people talk about pursuing their passion and they feel like they are shackled in a, in a job and they need to find a way out and do something on their own. A lot of people um, want to take the leap of leaving their corporate job, uh, which could be like a prison to them, and do something on their own. Um, a lot of people are scared to do take the step. A lot of people um, uh, sometimes take a leap without thinking clearly about it. Um, and uh, I've also seen people who've taken this leap and come back around um, little disillusioned, disappointed, um, slightly broken, back to a job. And um, how can somebody, there are some people who do it really well, of course, um, whether it is building their, uh, you know, side uh, profession or future career on the side while they're still in the job or making sure there's enough of a buffer. So what uh, would be some guideline for them to do this better once they realize that this is not what they want to do, but get out and do something on their own. Uh, something else that I love about Jordan Peterson is he frequently will honor courage and pain as part of being alive, not as um, a problem to solve or a defect to heal. So I would have 
answered your question very differently even two years ago. What I don't want people to hear me say is that a corporate life or the military, where there's even more structure and people are confined to roles and have little, the, the basic choices, will I comply with this or not? I don't think any government organization, corporate organization, military organization is inherently bad. What I think is that there are better or worse fits for the person to be in that structure. And the reason that organizations grow and become iconic is because our culture, our cultures support them. That's, those are honored paths until very recently, the idea was you are on a path as long as you're working and then you retire and then live out old age. Um, my children who are in their 40s strategically plan when they will leave their current job and go and take on something else. It's not because they get fired or it's not because things are disintegrating. It's because they're, they're tired of it or they have a roadblock or something. So I, I have been on my own in terms of, uh, I have been my boss for my career. And my wife asked me yesterday, she has retired from her teaching job and is enjoying retirement like it was Christmas every day. And I'm working every day because, and she said, are, are you doing things that you have to do or the things that you want to do? And I realized that very little time in my life has been spent doing things I have to do. The things I do are the things I really want to do. But I've had risk. It's like I, don't, I didn't have a retirement plan that the company had. And I love being a part of organizations but independent from them. That's what they, what an independent contractor is. I'm part of the organization, but I'm not a member of the organization. I, so, so I want to honor and recognize that somebody who is a good fit in any kind of an organizational structure, it's a good thing, especially if what's most important in your value system is your family or helping the community or your church or your place of worship. So it's very important to be able to say, these are my values and here's how I'm living them out. So we talk about people need a place to express their abilities. When you have a strong ability, a natural talent for something, we need an outlet for it but it doesn't have to be in what we do to get money to pay the mortgage or pay for a car. It just needs to be in some part of our life. So right now I'm working with an organization that's having a problem because the people at the top say the people at the bottom aren't working hard enough. They promise, but don't deliver. And the people at the bottom say, the people at the top have unrealistic expectations, and I'm doing the best I can, and things happen. I don't have the materials I need or the supplies I need or whatever. And they're both right. 
they could work smarter, not harder, and get more accomplished, which is what I'm trying to show them. And the people at the top could be supportive, encouraging, um, building an environment like a sports team coach where the players want to get out on the field and win the game. But it's not natural. It's the, it's, we have an organization is too often made up of silos, which can be just a, a small team or a hierarchy where a subordinate, just like in school, knows or at home, knows what the parent wants to hear and, and they play that game. And, okay, so, but this person doesn't talk to that person. I've known that for 50 years, but I didn't understand that a siloed system, even if it looks like General Motors where we build amazing cars, can't work in a complex system. When the more complex, the more pieces have to work, have to fit together, the more the team has to work together. And that's much more difficult than it sounds. I mean, it, yeah. okay. So the grass is greener on, on the other side of the fence. We look over there and we go, gee, their lawn is better looking than mine. I wonder what they're doing. But if we were over there, we'd be looking at our lawn and going, boy, their lawn is pretty good. So the other, another thing that Jordan Peterson has taught me is none of these are my ideas first. It's like, these are all, I have scars where I didn't pay attention to something and I learned it. So we should be able to have lots of ideas of a side hustle, of uh, inventing the next Uber. It's not doing so well right now, but I bet it will again, or Facebook or um, so, so as I said, my wife taught college and her freshman came in with the idea of what I want to do is be an influencer. I want to have a million followers and then get people to sponsor me so I can tell them. That's like the new career. Yeah. Okay. So have all those ideas that really light you up, play them through. And then, like, cut your chances of success by 80%. And think about how will you deal with the problems that come from not enough money or something's just, you've been putting out this great product and you have four followers? I mean, what's with that? So not to become negative, but to plan for the contingencies that life is going to throw at you if you want to go outside of the cultural norm and be a pioneer. And that's still, depending on the culture that you live on, that could either be deadly or inhibited or only celebrated when it's a, a viral success. So there's a lot. It's so much safer to stay where you are and get a paycheck every month or every two weeks or every week and and look for ex- ways of getting the excitement that you want with your family or in your life or whatever. So I applaud everyone who thinks about other realities for them in terms of vocation or avocation, hobbies that they want, what they want to learn and what they want to get good at. 
and to know that I have only known people who were willing to struggle through the hard times until they had some success, not huge success. And I respect greatly people who say, until at least my children are out of the house, and may that be soon, amen, but until my children are out of the house, I don't have to worry about where, where the mortgage payment's coming from. I'm staying in this job. It's not my favorite, but I can do it. I'll do it well. Having somebody, some bodies, more than one, person who'll tell you the truth about how they see you is critical because we, we're really good at believing our fantasies, but we don't want anybody to tell you you can't or you have to. And as a professional coach and a counselor, I go, you know, everybody needs a coach and a counselor. If this is not for the weak, this is for the smart no, absolutely. I, I, I know this. I'm a firm believer of this. And uh, I seek out coaches and mentors wherever uh, I go. And uh, I hope that the people who are listening to us also somewhere understand that this is important and go find the person that will help them out. And um, because the struggle is real, as you mentioned, you know, and uh, whether you're working in a job, uh, whether you like it, whether you're struggling there, or if you don't like it, you want to do other things and you want to start out. Uh, the struggle is real either way. And uh, like you spoke about, you know, stay in the job, keep the stability and balance that you need to support the rest of your life and work on your side hustle. That's going to be a lot of hard work. And that is why they say, you know, a lot of entrepreneurs I've, I've spoken to have said the same thing, you know, that the struggle is real. And that's what they allude to, that it's not as easy as I'll chuck this and do this and I want my freedom, I want to. But it's about finding your balance so that you're set up for success. And or realizing the risk yeah. that you're taking. I mean, uh, there's there's a man, David Cadavy. He's a write, an author and a podcaster. Uh, he, he left his home in the United States and moved to South America and where, he, where it's cheaper, less expensive to live. And, and he's done a very trans, uh, honest, Here's what's working for me. Here's what's not working for me. Here's my income for the year. There, um, and, and that's what's happening more and more. The online, there are people telling their stories, the good and the bad of, the, of their life. And it's a much more real picture of what's in front of us if we try something. So that's another good um, uh, another good resource is looking for the people who are sharing their their lives with us. But the idea of I shouldn't have to pay somebody to listen to me is wrong. It's um, what I notice are the people who are rich are glad to have many advisors. It's sort of the need, not a luxury. And so we need it not less as not rich people. Is it right that, that a coach charges as much as an attorney? Or is it right that an attorney charges so much? Well, those are moral questions. But, but talking to people and having somebody who's 
purpose in your life is to listen to you and give you their experience of you back is in it's priceless absolutely absolutely and uh, as we are you know we can keep talking i love getting into your brain and picking your brain and uh, i would like to keep talking but before we uh, continue i you know our podcast is about unleashing excellence and i have uh, sometimes been intimidated by what excellence could be uh, that you know a lot of us grow up with uh, am i good enough uh, you know is is it something that i can aspire to or is it too high a bar or can, i'm doing this so well but you know the whole imposter syndrome you're doing something well but you still feel like you, you're not really there what do you think about excellence how do you define it for yourself it's a great question so i've thought about it different ways at different times in my life uh, right now there is a for me there's a sweet spot that's where a discovery opens up something new that we didn't know was there that's a sign of excellence to me that i've um mastered the place i am currently living i i understand what's expected of me i'm either stuck here like right now i'm stuck at how can i slow down to get more done that's my current like growing edge how can i slow down and accomplish so i can accomplish more so a need shows up through pain or want and then excellence for me is finding an opening that i couldn't see before that allows me to move in the direction of the goal that i have and being with somebody in that moment it's it's like being there when my children were born it's it i feel like a midwife not a coach it's like we just witnessed a miracle something that we didn't have a moment ago is incarnated is it's an epiphany it's it's right here and we can explore it and that's excellence for me wow that's that's so many things that's literally creation yes yes great job boiling it down to one word that's what it is for me now it's been such a pleasure talking to you and getting to understand so many things from your experience and from all the learning that you have had and i'm sure our listeners have so much to gain if you were to just uh close this interview with one message that you would like to leave our listeners with um one message that they can use on their journey of excellence what would that be my hope is that each of us pays closer attention to what we love and what we find unwelcome or unwanted that we can control in our lives and get more of what brings joy and pleasure and service to other people it's part of the know thyself find the threads of why we're here let's be more here for why we're here absolutely that's beautiful thank you so much for your time bob and 
We look forward to seeing you again soon. My pleasure. Unleashing Excellence is hosted by me, Shruti Gehenwar, and Karan Raider. The show is produced by Rahul Rao. Deep gratitude to Ryan, all our guests, and you, the listener. Special thanks to our sponsor, Carbon Black Films. Thank you so much. Chance. Thank you, Bob. It's uh, I, I really like this. I can just keep recording our sessions every week and keep getting more and more. And then just grab right. Talk more. Um, and here's our here's our sermon from Bob in this week's podcast. <laughs> One more thing. We at Coach Chakra are committed to you in your endeavor towards excellence. And for this, we need your support in gathering data. So please send us your thoughts by filling out the form on what you believe makes you tick in your pursuit of excellence. See you in the next episode.